0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. Still from London, but not in that goddamn apartment. I have been living my best life since the last time we spoke. The best part was getting out that goddamn apartment. I don't know if you could hear it in my voice last episode. You know how when you're just done? (laughs) Just done. Last time we spoke, I had been arguing with either Airbnb and or the owner of my apartment for seven days straight about the smell of sewage and this man denying it exists. So I decided I was moving whether they refunded me or not. But I was like, you know what? I'm miserable and everybody else in this motherfucker is going to be miserable until I'm not miserable anymore. The landlord and Airbnb, they deserve that shit. I raised hell until the landlord was sick of me and he was like, fine, you can move out. And then there was a whole ordeal after that. He told Airbnb I could move out. And he would refund me the last five nights. And so Airbnb says, we're going to refund you X, Y, Z. And I was like, yeah, I want that. And then I also want the laundry that he agreed to pay for because I've had to send my laundry out because the day I moved in, he was like, oh, the washer and dryer doesn't work. Inconvenient, but okay. Like, yeah, so refund me my five nights and then also refund me for my dry cleaning. I sent Airbnb like the two different screenshots of when he said he would pay for my dry cleaning. They went back to him. He takes the whole day to respond. And I was like, OK, well, then I'll move out with the agreement of, you know, that you gave this morning for the five nights, plus the reimbursement for the laundry. And Airbnb was like, well, actually, no, we're only going to refund you for three nights because the landlord says, because you've been at the apartment all day and you missed checkout, that you have to pay for the fifth night. And then we're going to take and he was like, and then we're going to take the cost of another night because you're basically breaking the lease. And I was like, absolutely not. The apartment smells like fucking sewage. And also, the checkout time was 11. The email came through at 11.15. So the time I received the email was already past the checkout time. What You wrote to me. This isn't even hearsay. I'm, I'm saying somebody else said. It's literally in this email chain. And let me screenshot it for you and send it to you once again. You sent me the thing at 11.15. What you said was if you move out today, we will refund you for five nights at the cost of XYZ. I am agreeing to move out today, but if I move today, that means I have to pay five nights for a hotel. It doesn't make sense to be paying for an Airbnb tonight and then also paying for the hotel at the same time. You need to abide by what you wrote and refund me for the five nights plus my laundry. I go back and forth with Airbnb forever in a day. We're on email. I finally just picked up the phone and called Airbnb and was like, hey, what y'all doing ain't right. Like you put it in writing. Are you going to honor your word or not? So after arguing with them for hours, in addition to, you know, the nine days before, they finally were like, "Okay, we'll pay for the five nights because we did put it in writing. Yes, I said that hours ago. I could have been out the apartment by now. They did agree. And as it would turn out, I guess it's kind of like a little bit of an off season in London. There's a really good hotel. I love having cocktails here right around the corner from my apartment where it was actually less per night than what I was paying at Airbnb. And I was like, yo, do I need to change my travel model? Because my Airbnb situations, this is my second bad apartment. And let me not call the one in South Africa bad. It was a good apartment in a bad building. The building was loud as fuck. Fuck. And then also the electricity, but that wasn't the building's problem. That's an overall South Africa country problem. I was like, that's also like six months of like not loving your living accommodations. South Africa wasn't the end of earth. It was annoying, but it was tolerable. But the other night I walked into my apartment. I didn't tell you this in the last podcast, but I turned the key in the door. I literally started tearing up because like I really just didn't want to be there. And I realized it's the longest I'd ever stayed in the apartment for one chunk of time. I was here the first week and then my mother came the week after that. I crashed at the hotel with her a few nights while she was here. And then I went to Paris after that. I was gone for like 11 days. I came back for like a week and then I went to Amsterdam, came back for a week went off to like Vienna or Budapest or whatever, but I was never really in the apartment for a long chunk of time. I did a solid two weeks in the apartment and I was like, I'm miserable. I haven't cried since I turned the key in the door since I left New York. And how I know it was really bad. I moved into the hotel. I've got four gigantic bags and a carry on two of the big bags. I'm shipping back to DC. I'm not taking those to Paris. I'm in this hotel room. It's technically a suite, but it's London. So the rooms are tiny so the suite is the size of like a regular American hotel room, but not in New York and not in the deep South because those rooms be spacious. It's a decent sized room, but there's still like these four big bags of luggage. So there's all this luggage. It's not very big. The bathroom is tiny. The bed is a queen. There's stuff everywhere. It's not organized. And in general, I'm a pretty organized person these days, but, I'm, but I feel so much better. The place that you call home or temporary home or wherever you rest your head, it, when that is out of whack, it throws everything off. For me, this little crowded hotel room, much, much, much better. And you know what? I'm kind of mad at myself because like, as soon as I got into the apartment, like literally the day I arrived, I hit the landlord and was like, this place doesn't look like the pictures. It's not the same furniture and what you've replaced it with is not equivalent. And you're telling me the laundry doesn't work. There's a leak in the ceiling. I knew it was a four-story walk-up. That didn't bother me, but it was like really narrow and then also winding. The horror stories you hear about European walk-ups, it was one of those. And the place just didn't feel good. It what it didn't feel like home, and then it also didn't feel like sexy. Like a place in South Africa was sexy as fuck. And as soon as I walked in, I knew I should have walked out. And that I didn't actually really bothers me. I am a work in progress. But London has been going much, much better since I got the fuck out. The day before I moved out, I went to see The Temptations. I kept seeing ads for it in the tube station. It was amazing. The guy who plays David Ruffin, amazing. Amazing, like a whole full-blown star. You know, there's so many British actors in America. And I was like, I see him crossing the pond sooner than later. The dude is a great actor. He could sing his ass off. Plus he has that. That it factor. That like major stage presence. And then I found him on Instagram. He had on a wig. You know, because it's the temptation. None of them were bald. I went and found his Instagram page. Without the wig or the David Ruffin glasses. Brush, full-blown fine. And got abs. But here's the crazy thing. If you follow me on social media, you know what I'm about to talk about. So, I'm watching a play. And David Ruffin dies. He passes out in a crack house. And then he's taken to the hospital where he died. I haven't seen the unsung on David Ruffin, but his son was interviewed. And apparently he makes this really big point to be like, my daddy didn't die in a crack house. He died at the hospital after they found him at the crack house. And I was like, I mean, it's a technicality, but okay, fair. So I was really upset because David Ruffin is like an amazing singer. And the guy who was portraying him is an amazing actor. I was just really upset about David Ruffin. So I get home and I'm writing about it on Facebook and I was like, yeah, did y'all know that David Ruffin like OD'd at a crack house? And people were like, yeah, it's in the movie. And I was like, that's not in the movie. He finds Jesus and then they all go to the picnic and dance like old men. And they were like, no, 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 no. That's the five heartbeats, the Temptations movie. And I was like, what Temptations movie? (laughs) Y'all. I was, what's today, Friday? I was Tuesday years old when I found out there was a Temptations movie. I'd heard people refer to the Temptations movie before, but you know how, like, Black people never call anything by its proper name? I always thought everyone was referring to the five heartbeats. I've seen the meme of Leon saying, nobody's coming to see you, Otis. And I had gleaned from context clues that it was about the Temptations, but I had no idea... That there was a whole movie in which Leon played David Ruffin. Leon is also in the Five Heartbeats. It's very confusing. But when I was trying to explain, because people were like, girl, what? Because apparently the Temptations movie is a black classic on par with the Five Heartbeats or the Jackson movie. And I was like, yeah, I just, mm-mm, I didn't. I really thought that when people said the Temptations movie that they meant the five heartbeats. And then people were like, the five heartbeats isn't even about the Temptations. It's about the Dells. And I was like, oh, I got that all fucked up, huh? Now, in fairness, it came out in 1998. And so I was living on campus and I didn't have cable. So I think that's how I missed it. I did go watch the movie. I started it right after people started clowning me. Because I really was like, what the fuck? You know the lobster meme where the lobster looks lost? That's how I felt. So I started watching it. It's on Amazon Prime and on YouTube. Everybody their mother was in that film. Like Otis's mama was Aunt Vi. And I was like, look at Aunt Vi! From Queen Sugar? The mother of Black Hollywood? What's the guy that has the baritone? I don't know the names of all the Temptations either. I was like, just... I know my black car is suspended. There was another play I went to see. I saw The Temptations on Tuesday. There's another play, also a musical, called A Strange Loop. It won the 2022 Tony Awards for Best New Musical. It's about a black queer guy who's writing a musical about a black queer guy. It's very good. Let me start there. The lead actor, voice of an angel, sing his whole ass off. But he was also singing about like anal sex. And I was like, oh, okay, this is very, this is very graphic. I wasn't mad at it. I just wasn't prepared for it. And it took me a second to adjust. I heard black and queer, but like, I don't know, you hear black and hetero. I don't necessarily think we're going to talk about, I don't know, anal sex. It's not like hetero people don't have it as well. But I was just like, oh, I just didn't know. And I was like, this is what won the Tony? Well-deserved. It just took me a minute to be like, oh, okay, we're gonna have a very raw and frank evening. And it was at a huge theater that was packed with mostly white people, it was a sprinkle of black folks. I mean, it's London. But everybody on the stage for a strange loop, I mean, everybody. It was like the lead, it was the lead, and then like five or six supporting guys, and then also a woman, everybody black. And I think for the Temptations, there was one white woman and one white man. And then everybody else was black. That was actually a big cast. The only thing I didn't like about the Temptations play, and I feel really bad about saying this, because everyone was so amazing. I talked about how David Ruffin was amazing. All the other guys that played Temptations. And there were people that rotated in and out of the Temptations, as did happen in real life. Everyone on the stage who sang had a beautiful voice, except the woman playing Diana Ross. Which I said to somebody the other day. They were like, well... Does Diana Ross have a good voice in real life? And I was like, hey, hey, she's an icon. They're like, she is. But can she sing? Like, she makes good songs. But can she sing? Like, is Diana Ross making anybody's, like, top 10 or top 100? And I was like, hey. My friend was like, she is. But can she sing? I was like, I, I refuse to answer that. And they were like, and that's your answer right there. I was like, oh, dear. Points are being made. What else have I done? I told y'all, because it's like the last week I was going to be in London, that I had a bucket list of things that I wanted to do before I head out. And I've been knocking stuff off. I went to Highclere Castle. If you watch Downton Abbey, that big ass house that they live in, it's so big it's called a castle. There. When the driver pulled up to it, I literally gasped, because like, it's one of the biggest It's not the biggest, but it's one of the biggest places I've ever seen. The thing is massive. It's actually designed. It's been redone several times. But the current reiteration is actually designed by the same person who designed Big Ben, the Houses of Parliament. And he also designed that. If you look at them side by side, you can see, even if you're not like a huge architect person, like just if you have eyes, you can look at the two structures and see similar influences. They're also literally the same color. I guess whatever structural material that is was popular at the time, because they were built around the same time, I think. Um, but really, really beautiful house. They don't allow pictures inside, which, you know, bummed me out. It's not my favorite time period. It's, um, it's late 1800s, early 19, but it's not Gilded Age. It's right before the Gilded Age, and which sounds weird to say Gilded Age, because Gilded Age is an American concept, which is largely based off how people thought Europe was designing homes at the time. But at the time, it was considered gaudy because it was new money people doing it. But now it's just, you know, years old. So it's old money all the same. If you watch Downton Abbey, it looks exactly like that. In fact, the family who owns the castle, it's not like a state run situation. They didn't have an audio tour that told you about the family. It was They mostly just talked about the show and then there were pictures of the family all over the house. Like You had to buy a book at the end of the tour, and I was like, if you give me an audio guide, I'll check in. But I was like, I didn't love it enough to go buy a book to read about the history of the castle and the family that currently lives there or any of that stuff. Like I need to have it in the moment, and then if I connect to it, I'll buy a souvenir afterward, but it wasn't that. But the family who owns it primarily lives in the castle part-time The first two floors are where they do a lot of filming and where they have the tourists come in. And then there's a third floor that's um, more modern. One of the docents told me and she was like, it's more modern, but it's not like modern where they have TVs. And I was like, so it's modern, like 1940. Okay, but I say that to say because the furniture is antique, It's been in the family for hundreds of years at this point. Moving it around for production would be very stressful on the structure of the furniture and the art. I think they said there's a couple pieces that they take off the wall, mostly personal family photos that are not so old. They take down. But otherwise, like all the furniture is arranged exactly as it is. And the family, that's what I was saying earlier still does come to the house. The docent said sometimes they'll come in for coffee or if they have friends or guests in town, the guests will stay at the house. Sometimes they'll come by and they'll just have breakfast in like the big grand dining room. And she's like, the family treats it very much like a home. They don't treat it like a museum. People lounge around on the couch and read the paper and drink the coffee and hang out and talk the shit. It's very much a used home. And even walking through the home, like you can see little details from the family. Like it's a very antiquey house. Like in the hallway, they'll have tables sometimes that have like family photos and there'll be crime novels piled up. Somebody in the family really likes John Grisham. I thought it was a very cute detail that made what could just seem like a historical museum. It reminded me that, no, one, people actually live here as in current and then people did live here. Like it's not just, you know, a museum. It really kind of, you know, brought it home that like, yo, people are really this fucking rich. Yes, currently, because they still own the house. I love me some Downton Abbey. Mary was hell on wheels. She was one of my favorites. And what else did I do? I went on a Thames River tour to see all the monuments. Most of the major monuments stands, obviously, Buckingham Palace. It's not right on the river. But the London Eye and then the Houses of Parliament and then London Bridge and then Millennium Bridge. The Tower of London, that's where the crown jewels are. And then the Shard, it's like London's version of the Empire State Building. It's not nearly as tall. It's a very modern building with a bunch of restaurants and I want to say one, if not two, five-star hotels. It's supposed to be amazing views of the city. I'm trying to save my Shard visit for my last day in London. Although I may just go to this weekly party with a bunch of Black folks. But the ride up the river was really beautiful. It's been on my bucket list, but it's cold. Even today, it was cold. I had on a jacket and had to pull my hood up because it was freezing. It's 940 p.m. It's probably like 50 something degrees outside. It's definitely not 60 something. You know, those hot summer nights we have on the East Coast in the South. They don't have that here. That doesn't mm -mm. like mm, at no point. Mm -mm. No, no. I was talking to somebody about missing summer the other day. And I was like, I feel like I really haven't had like a proper summer because, you know, it's not hot. And my friend reminded me. The same one who questioned whether Diana Ross could sing in real life. She was like, aren't you going back to Africa? It's hot there. Donna <laughs> gets so hot in February that I leave. I think I'll be there in February this year, though. Well, I'll still be living there. But I'll probably be in the Middle East or North Africa. Because, you know, they go up to like 120 degrees. But in January and February, it's only like, I think the highest, like 75, 72, something like that. <sighs> What do we have to talk about today? There's good black news. (laughs) And that's very subjective. The judge that's presiding over Trump's latest round of charges. This (laughs) This is the headline in Vanity Fair right now. Donald Trump pleads not guilty to trying to overturn the election, despite us all witnessing him trying to overturn the election. Vanity Fair notes that this is the third time that Trump has pleaded not guilty since April. The other two cases against him, one is about hush money payments to a porn star. And then there's also the willful retention of classified documents. Remember he was keeping all the high-level classified documents that he stole from the White House? He was keeping them in his bathroom. He also lost a civil suit this year as well for assaulting a woman in a high-end department store changing room? Somebody is having a very bad year. Anybody else who had this many charges against them, I don't even know if you could hold a job at McDonald's. Somehow this man is still running for president. It's also a viable candidate. The privilege of wealthy whiteness is astounding. The most recent charges, still reading on Vanity Fair, he pled not guilty in response to the Justice Department indicting him for attempting to overturn the 2020 election. That's the first charge. There's also an accusation of conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding. So there's a conspiracy to obstruct and there's also the obstruction and there's also a charge for the attempt to obstruct and then conspiracy against rights. Vanity Fair notes that although there are multiple charges, the sentence for obstructing an official proceeding carries a penalty of up to 20 years behind bars. Now, this is where we get to the good black news. There was a judge that was assigned to this most recent case. Her name is Tanya Chutkin. Vanity Fair notes she's handed down some of the toughest sentences of all of her colleagues, that's the other judges, when it comes to January 6th defendants. At a sentencing last year, she declared, quote, it is not patriotism. It is not standing up for America to stand up for one man who knows full well that he lost instead of the constitution he was trying to subvert. In 2021, she ruled that the January 6th committee could access documents from Trump's time in the white house, a decision that was affirmed by an appeals court. And her reasoning was presidents are not Kings and plaintiff that was Trump at the time is not president. Oh dear. What do we know about the black judge? She's 61 years old. She's been a trial judge for nearly a decade. She was born in Kingston, Jamaica. She came to the U.S. to attend college at George Washington University. She obtained her law degree at University of Pennsylvania. She served more than a decade, serving as a court-appointed lawyer. And then she also worked for a time at a white-shoe law firm. That's before she joined the federal bench in 2014. She's married. To a man who's also a judge, they have two sons. She's an Obama appointee. Did I say that? The New York Times notes that she's, quote, arguably liberal leaning. In 2017, she ruled that an American citizen being held in military detention in Iraq as a suspected member of ISIS had a right to a lawyer over the Trump administration's objections. She also blocked the administration, Trump, Trump's people from preventing undocumented pregnant teenagers from having access to abortion-related services. In 2019, she issued an injunction halting the Trump administration's plan to resume the death penalty, blocking the executions of four federal convicts. New York Times further notes that, of all her cases, her involvement in cases related to January 6 are likely to attract the most attention. (laughs) As she takes up, New York Times calls this Trump case the most significant criminal trials in American history. Is CNN and MSNBC, are they going to live stream this like they did OJ? Because this is some riveting TV. Or Clinton's deposition. Me and my roommate in college, we had it on VHS. We used to watch that deposition over and over and over. I used to be able to quote it. That is some comedy right there. If you've never watched a Clinton deposition or you've never watched it as an adult... Go back and watch that shit. That shit is funny. Clinton is hilarious without even trying. The New York Times notes that the black judge, she described January 6th as, quote, an attempt of a violent mob to prevent the orderly and peaceful transfer of power from one administration to the next. And she said the efforts of the January 6th rioters, quote, soiled and defaced the halls of the Capitol just for clarity, when she says they were soiled and defaced, everybody in D.C. talks about how, like, the rioters, like, literally took shits in the capitals and smeared feces on the wall. I don't know if it was the Capitol, per se. Definitely in... the buildings where the congressman works, one of them is Rayburn because I used to work there. There are tunnels under the Capitol that connect maybe like four separate buildings. So the congress members can go in and out without having to go out into the elements. There's also a little train that goes underneath. But the rioters who got into the Capitol went down there and went into the other buildings and like literally took shits and smeared it on the walls. Like if you Google January 6th and feces, it'll come up. It was insider Washington talk for a while. Enough people talked about it where it made it to the press. But absolutely. Soiled and defaced the halls of the Capitol. Yeah. I'm very excited about the black judge. What's going on with, um, what's the case with Trump and Letitia? I'm calling her name like I know her. Letitia James. She's a New York state attorney general. She had a case against Trump. What's going on with that case? Letitia James. Trump. CBS News actually has an update from three days ago. So does The Hill. Let's look at The Hill and see what they have to say. Oh, she says she's ready for trial. This is the case where they're accusing President Trump, two of his children, and the Trump organization and say they engaged in widespread fraud. This lawsuit says over a number of years, Trump, his children, and the Trump organization manipulated property values to obtain investments and loan benefits. The lawsuit seeks $250 American USD dollars in dineros and financial penalties and asks the court to ban the Trumps from serving as officers or directors in any corporation registered or licensed in New York, effectively preventing them from operating their business in the state. The lawsuit also asks the court to prohibit the former president and his business from acquiring New York real estate and from applying for loans from a New York institution For five years, the Trumps have all repeatedly denied claims of wrongdoing, and they accused James of operating a politically motivated crusade against him. Trump's team has repeatedly, unsuccessfully, tried to dismiss the case. There's no jail time for this. I respect Letitia for going after what she had. Letitia like, look, I can't find criminal charges. I'm leaving here with something. I'm leaving here with something. Ban his ass from working in New York. He won't be our state's problem. 49 other states can figure it out. New York got 99 problems. He about to be not one. If that's fine. It's a full court press. See, four sets of charges. Can we see five? I just need a man to end up in jail. The man is a criminal. The man is a criminal. Allegedly. Can I get sued for calling a public figure a criminal? If you're currently charged with four different sets of crimes, it's fair to call you a criminal. No? No? Allegedly. I don't want to be sued. I don't want somebody to come after me like Cardi go after Tasha K. I was talking to my father earlier today. (laughs) And we're just talking about like random stuff. I recorded the first part of this podcast before I went to take the the river cruise. (laughs) And as I was on my way there, Airbnb hit me again and was like, the owner of the apartment, I was like, stop with this shit. But the owner of the apartment accused me of staying in the apartment an extra night. And so he was like, well, I've refunded her for five nights, but now I want to refund back from her because she stayed at the apartment. And I was like, where did you get this shit? And so Airbnb was like, well, he said you turned in the keys at seven o'clock the next morning. And I was like, yeah, I did because I moved out of the apartment between like, you know, 10 p.m. and midnight. And I'm not going searching around London as a single woman after midnight in the dark with deserted streets to go drop off this man's fucking keys. Additionally, Airbnb told me in writing that I could check out the following day. I chose not to because the apartment fucking stinks. So I got a hotel room. So I had to send them a screenshot of my reservation and then also a screenshot of where they where they told me I could check out on the 3rd. And I was like, yo, this is bordering on harassment at this point. The landlord is mad he has to refund me. And so he's trying to figure out ways to antagonize me. And he's using y'all to do it. I was like, I'm out of the apartment. I have turned in the keys. I have video and pictures of the condition I left the apartment in. Even though this man is a complete asshole, just because I'm black and more decent than he deserves, I cleaned up the apartment. I ain't like washed the floors or the windows or nothing. But like, you know, I gave it like a good wipe down. I made sure there was no dishes in the sink. I took the trash out. I stripped the bed. Somebody still needs to go through and give it a proper cleaning. But but I left it in a state that if somebody walks in, you're not like, oh my God, someone trashed my place. I give way more than I should. But somehow I knew when I checked out, I was like, this is not the end of it. I say all that to say, I was so blown that the man gave a refund and is now asking for a refund on the refund and accusing me of doing something that I did not do. But I called my dad to tell him this because I was like 38 hot. So we ended up in this long discussion talking about like a bunch of stuff. We talked about Trump. We talked about life. We talked about travel. And then he asked me, he was like, what's going on with the big girl? I said, who is the big girl? I'm thinking like, like, I don't know. One of my friends, kids, this has been growing. Oh, You met her when she was two and now she's like five or six and she's like a big girl now. And I was like, what big girl? And he was like, the big girl. What's going on with the big girl? I said, whose child are you talking about? And he said, not the child. He said, the singer. I said, Daddy, you can't say that. He said, say what? I said, Daddy, her name is Lizzo. You can't call her that. He said, she's a big girl. I was like, Daddy, don't call her that. Her name is Lizzo. And he was like, all right, well, what's going on with uh, with Lizzo? <laughs> Lizzo? <laughs> yes, Daddy, her name is Lizzo. But what's, what's going on with her? Because I saw on TV she getting sued. <laughs> he said, the big girl's going to jail? I said, Daddy, Lizzo. He said, Lizzo, Lizzo, okay. Okay. (laughs) Lizzo is in fact being sued. It's a civil suit, is it not? Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Civil lawsuit filed in Los Angeles Superior Court. It's actually a 27-page document. I didn't read it all. I found a couple people that did summaries of it. And I was like, girl, what? Because I read about some bananas. And I was like, bananas? There are two banana incidents. Because one of my friends was trying to make sense of it. And she was like, okay. She was like, well, I don't understand. Like, everyone's talking about Lizzo and these bananas. And she was like, but aren't the bananas with the dance captain? So among, I'm not going to go through the whole case. I'm just going to talk about, like, the majorly egregious shit. So Lizzo has a dance captain that is apparently super, super religious. Like, some of the women were talking, you know, as women do sometimes when they get together, we talk about dating and relationships and sex and such. So she's very Christian. And so she was scolding some of the dancers about having premarital sex. She found out that one of the dancers had not had sex, and she kept bringing it up that the woman was a virgin. You know, people get really weird about virginity sometimes. She was doing that, and it made the woman very uncomfortable. Same dance captain, the super religious one who's shaming people about having premarital sex and, like, bigging up the virgin. Same woman would also talk about her sexual fantasies, and apparently she wanted, like, ten penises at once. The lawsuit says that she would talk about it so often that all of the dancers knew what her sexual fantasy was. And I was like, wait, what? Same woman would simulate oral sex on a banana? And apparently she was deep throat in that shit. So Lizzo and the banana is separate. Lizzo was on tour and they had a performance in Amsterdam. And they decided to go to a sex show. It's a very Amsterdam kind of thing to do. Remember I was in Amsterdam and I talked about wanting to go to the sex show? And then somebody was like, it sounds really enticing and kinky in theory, but you understand it's like white people having sex. It's real like white male porn fantasy sex. I was like, oh no, there's better uses of my time and money. I'm good. But Lizzo was really excited about the sex show. And so she invited her dancers to come out and join her. The dancers said that they felt like the people who get the best assignments are people that hang out with Lizzo or friendly with Lizzo that she, she liked. So they felt pressured to go to this sex club. And then when they got to the sex club, one of the women complained. She said Lizzo made her one of the performers. She made her grab the woman's breast and she really didn't want to. She said no several times. She said Lizzo started chanting and then other people started chanting and she felt like really coerced to touch the woman's breast. and She really didn't like it. Apparently at the sex show, the performers were inserting bananas into their vaginas. And people were encouraged to eat the other half of the banana while it was either in the woman or fresh out of the woman. And I was like, either way, fuck no. People keep talking about the breast groping more than that. And I was like, no, no, no. There are bananas in the vagina. Like, that's, that's, that's too much. There are limits. Um, or not, in Lizzo's case. There's also another incident where a woman says she recorded Lizzo because she had anxiety, couldn't focus or something. So Lizzo was giving instructions, and there's like a rule, like you don't record Lizzo, but she recorded her because she needed to be able to refer back to whatever she was speaking about. And then the recording got out, and so they pulled all the dancers together and like interrogated them until someone broke and was like, I did the recording. She said Lizzo was really mad at her, and she thought Lizzo was about to hit her. There was another incident where Lizzo is accused. So they have the dancers they picked and they decided to re-audition the dancers. Whoever wasn't up to par was getting cut. One of the dancers in the lawsuit said she had to go to the bathroom. And she was so afraid of losing her spot or being fired if she left the room to go to the bathroom that she soiled herself. And I was like, soiled isn't like she peed on herself? I was trying to understand that. And I was like, did you try to ask them to go pee? And they said, no. Or the work environment overall was so hostile that you felt like if you got up to pee, they would think it was like, I don't know, insubordination or something. Like, I don't I don't understand. I was like, I need a little more explanation for that, sis. I saw there was video of the women. They did a, a sit down with their lawyers for TMZ. And I was like, why TMZ? Lizzo was an A-list performer. She has Grammys and a world tour. Like, you didn't think this was, like, Good Morning America worthy? Or, or CBS, Go Talk to Gail? Today's show? No? TMZ is a major outlet. And maybe they paid. I'm not saying they paid the women. But just, you know, TMZ doesn't present itself as a news organization. They do pay for interviews. But I don't know why they chose TMZ. And I was like, y'all really could have gone Morning TV A-list. Or maybe not because of what the allegations are. You really can't talk about bananas in a vagina on network TV. Between 7 and 10 a.m. That's a lot to handle with your first cup of coffee. Maybe that's why they did TMZ. I didn't see the full interview for that. I just saw the clips of it. I also saw the responses to it. The Shade Room comments had no mercy. They were very much like, so basically you wanted to be her friend and like she didn't accept you. And so now you're mad And you're complaining and you're suing because, like, you're, you know, out of the circle of trust. Like, get the fuck out of here. And I was trying to figure out, like, why people were having that kind of reaction. And I think it's because I don't think people take jobs and entertainment very seriously. How dare you complain? Suck it up and deal. Like, you work in entertainment. Everybody knows that it's debauchery. Like, you knew that when you signed up. And now you're experiencing debauchery and you're acting like you're not supposed to. Why do we just accept That the entertainment industry is, you know, full of shenanigans and bullshit, which it is. But, like, why do we just accept that? It's like, well, it is now. So, like, nobody should ever do anything to change it. And that just is what it is. And everyone should suck it up or not do it. I think sometimes people forget that the entertainment business is very much a business. And there's tons of money being made. There are corporations and there are LLCs. Like, it's a legit business being run. If we were talking about, say, people who worked at a law firm or people who worked at an accounting firm or nurses who worked at a hospital or teachers, right? If we were talking about people in any of these industries that invited their subordinates to go to a sex party and then encourage them to either eat bananas that were currently in someone's vagina or had just been taken out or encourage someone who to feel someone else's breast when they really didn't want to do that if there was a vp that's a comparison to the dance captain if there was a vp who was over who was managing a bunch of people and the vp was shaming people for having premarital sex and then also talking about how she wanted 10 penises at once and then also simulating oral sex on a banana, people would be like, oh my God. People would be shocked. People would be outraged. Like, oh my God. People are acting like this at work? The dancers, even though they have very fun jobs, even though they get to travel, even though they get to have a great time, it's a lot of work too. But even though they have a lot of fun and it is something they probably do for free, something they're passionate about, right? They're still at work. And that shit is still crazy, if it indeed happened. Now, let's say this. We talked about everything that Lizzo has been accused of. I'm glad this episode isn't running till Friday because I really didn't want to talk about this without having a response from Lizzo. It's worth noting that Lizzo categorically denies all the charges. That's not a quote. That's me paraphrasing. She said it's a four part statement. Lizzo says these last few days since the accusations came out have been gut wrenchingly difficult and overwhelmingly disappointing. She says, My work ethic, morals, and respectfulness have been questioned. My character has been criticized. She said, Usually I choose not to respond to false allegations, but these are as unbelievable as they sound and too outrageous to not be addressed. She says, As an artist, I have always been very passionate about what I do. I take my music and my performances seriously. She says, With passion comes hard work and high standards. Sometimes I have to make hard decisions, but it's never my intention to make anyone feel uncomfortable or like they aren't valued as an important part of the team. She says, I am not here to be looked at as a victim, but I also know that I am not the villain that people in the media have portrayed me to be these last few days. I am very open with my sexuality and expressing myself, but I cannot accept or allow people to use that openness to make me out to be something I am not. There is nothing I take more seriously than the respect we deserve as women in the world. Oh, I left this part out. The the women accused Lizzo of body shaming them. Apparently, one of the dancers was fired or told she would be fired if she didn't lose weight. So what I'm about to read next, the accusation that she was body shaming or weight shaming is what she's addressing here. She says, quote, I know what it feels like to be body shamed on a daily basis and would absolutely never criticize or terminate an employee because of their weight. I'm hurt, but I will not let the good work I've done in this world be overshadowed by this. So that's Lizzo's official response. I don't know exactly what the women are suing for. Like, I know it's a civil suit, so they they want compensation. But I don't know the number that they're currently asking for. I do think it's worth mentioning. I was going to say notable, but I'm trying to like use like less provocative language because it's Lizzo and she's a black woman and i'm having like a real like torn thing right now cuz you know i'm always like you know trust black women protect black women believe black women but now it's like black women accusing another black woman of doing crazy shit and i'm going to say the same thing i had to say with like jonathan majors or other people who have been accused of doing crazy shit like one or two people accusing you of doing some crazy shit could be couldn't be one especially if it's one two maybe it could be somebody on the bandwagon three four five there's three women attached to this lawsuit against Lizzo. Two other women who worked for Lizzo who've spoken out and was like, yeah, that was my experience as well. Let me find it. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I said two. It's actually three. The singer's ex-creative director, a dancer, and a filmmaker have all backed up the dancers. One of the dancers who was not part of the lawsuit, she read the allegations and she said, yeah. Quote, this was very much my experience in my time there. Big shout out to the dancers who had the courage to bring this to life. Lizzo's former creative director, she says, quote, I haven't been a part of that world for around three years for a reason. I very much applaud the dancers' courage to bring this to light, and I grieve parts of my own experience. I'd appreciate space to understand my feelings. She also added, only a few know." what we've been through. Then there was also a filmmaker and she said she also had negative experiences. She said in 2019, I traveled a bit with Lizzo to be the director of her documentary. I walked away after about two weeks. I was treated with such disrespect by her. I witnessed how arrogant, self-centered and unkind she is. I was not protected and was thrown into a shitty situation with little support. My spirit said to run as fast as you fucking can And I'm so grateful I trusted my gut. (sighs) This doesn't look good for Lizzo. That's a lot of people. I said five is six. That's six different people basically saying the same shit. One of my good friends has a theory. She always has a theory. She's good for a theory. She thinks that this is a case of Lizzo not realizing her celebrity. Like there's a huge power imbalance between you being the star of an international tour, you being this A-list celebrity, and then the people who work for you kind of on the bottom of the totem pole. This is her theory. She said Lizzo may think that we're on the road for months. I'm separated from my family and friends. The people that I'm around are my are my friends. That's why I kiki with because we're always together. It's nothing wrong with, you know, people getting along and spending time together, but there's there's limits. And so my friend's theory was that, you know, Lizzo doesn't grasp that these people are her employees and not her friends. And she doesn't get the weight of, you know, her asking, hey, do you want to come hang out with me? As opposed to someone else that is just a peer or a fellow dancer as opposed to the boss saying it. Because when the boss asks the question, then it's like, oh, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to say no because I don't want to piss her off. I want to make sure I keep a good assignment or something like that. So I feel like I have to go because she asked. As opposed to like one of your friends just asking me. You'd be like, no, I don't feel like it. Like, that's not really my thing. Like, you go and have a good time now. My friend's theory was that Lizzo blurred the lines between friendship and employee or independent contractor, as it may be. Then I was like, yeah, I can see that. That tracks for me. And yet and still, it could be a mistake that she made. It could be a, a situation that she didn't fully realize her power in. And yet and still, if what the women are alleging is in fact true, it's pretty awful. This, that's real hostile work environment. It's It's very sexual harassment. I understand why the women are suing. Like, they're just there to dance. They're not there to listen to people shame them about their sex lives or talk about the non-sex that they're having or people talking about orgies or, you know, bananas. Whether you're sucking on them or or eating them fresh out of a hoo-ha. It's very inappropriate. We'll be following this case. See what else is going on. There's one more thing we have to mention. I keep this man's name out by mouth. Unless he is currently on trial. Every time Jonathan Majors goes somewhere or does anything, you know, he has these little outfits he likes to wear. My friend calls them runaway slave clothes, and I was like, I'm not going to hell with you. I really try not to talk about him unless there's actually something worth reporting. He and Megan showed up to court yesterday. He had on a suit that fit, it looked like he had seen a tailor a nice suit, a nice suit at that. And then Megan showed up in all white. She's still holding his hand. I mean, clearly she doesn't give a fuck. She soft launched a whole relationship at court where he is charged with assaulting the woman he was dating before you or while he was with you. I don't know. I don't know. The timing, the timing. But he showed up for court yesterday only to find out the court is going to be delayed until September 6th. According to the Daily Mail, it says the actor's attorneys filed a motion, complaining that prosecutors were not timely in handing over evidence. They also said that Majors. <laughs> I love the Daily Mail because everybody don't give you all the details. There's a reason we're reading the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail says, "Quote: Majors, 33, strode into court with new girlfriend Megan Good." He said he was. They said he was wearing a double-breasted gray suit and clutching a Bible. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because it's like, you know, we're talking about like an assault charge. A woman was perhaps beaten. I shouldn't laugh. I'm not laughing about the beating. Alleged. Like, sir, you are not on a movie set. Like, this is for real, real life. What are you doing? I'm sorry. I'm looking at video. He has his cup and he's also carrying a red Bible. I mean, the thing is bright red. Like, you, you, gotta, you can't help but see it. A bright red Bible and that little cup that he always has. Shoes look fresh. If they not new, they freshly shine. He looks like his hair was cut by a black person. He and Megan are both wearing sunglasses. Why Megan Good has her name tied up in this is beyond me. Let's look at a more traditional news site and see if there's any other details. Variety has a story. They say the actor returned to court on Thursday for what was supposed to be the start of the trial. But the prosecution said it was not ready. Because it's still obtaining discovery. Isn't that the exact opposite? The Daily Mail said that the defense said that the prosecutors weren't turning stuff over fast enough. I'm going to go with the variety version. Either way, the trial that was supposed to start yesterday isn't starting until September 6th. So we wait. This is just going on and on and on and on. All right. That's. That's what we have for this week. We'll be back next week, I think, on Tuesday. I moved to Paris on Monday. It shouldn't take that long to get settled. I think more than likely we will have an episode on Tuesday. If I'm not able to record and edit, then I'll make an announcement on social media. But I think we're good for Tuesday. But otherwise, have a really great weekend. I know this episode's a little bit late, but I think we were thorough. All right. Talk Tuesday. Fingers crossed send prayers for a good transition to my next country. Okay. Back.